Hello, everybody. Welcome to Tower Casuals podcast here on Boss Rush Games. Yes, we are streaming on Boss Rush Games live tonight. Uh, I am your host, Corey Deerig, and alongside me in this fire team is the lore guru, Josh Finney. What's going on, Corey? You know, I'm uh, I'm in the process of of this is this is my break week here on Boss Rush Games, so I'm. For As sure. you can see, I'm taking a, a good long break tonight. No, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm doing well, man. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to talk some Destiny. I've, I've been doing some things. I've been working on a bunch of things this this weekend, and uh, you know, after I mean, this is this is really the only show I'm doing this week uh, because I'm working on some things for not only this show but trying to work on some other things for the other shows and. Uh, just, just really trying to uh, pinpoint what we can do to make our live shows better. Uh, so that's kind of the goal this mm-hmm. week. And uh, honestly, focus on playing some games. Uh, I have to finish Tomb Raider for our book club <coughs> episode, and I need to play some Destiny because, uh, look, my character is not getting any stronger by me having my Xbox off. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So, uh, but how how are you? How are you, Josh? How are you? Uh, I'm doing good, man. It was uh, it was a pretty b- busy week, both uh, in and out of game. Uh, drove back to see some family over the weekend and uh, take care of some things back home. Home for me is about three three and a half hours away, uh, more typically than from where I live. So uh, that could be an exhausting drive. Uh, drove up Saturday morning and came back Sunday morning uh, to make it back in time to run Eater of Worlds last night. Nice. So, how was how was that? Uh, Eater of Worlds. Like if you've never done Eater of Worlds, uh, I hate how people say it's the it's like the worst raid uh, that Destiny's done because I mean it's it's true. Like the, it's absolutely true. But I think that the boss battle is actually as easy as it is. I think it's really creative, uh, and it doesn't punish you for getting the um, the mechanics wrong right off the bat so to speak uh, when you get into the boss room like so there, there's a jumping puzzle at the beginning uh, you have to actually be kind of coordinated you have to deviate off of paths and come back together you have to zigzag uh, all sorts of fun stuff and then boom like after that jumping puzzle you have a little bit of like areas you have to dodge down and you get sucked into the boss chamber after that, like boom you're there for the pre-boss encounter you, what you're doing is you're charging these Vex craniums, uh, like the ones in the Menagerie in the Void Room. You're charging those, uh, but with the three different elements. There's, there's three different plates. Uh, you split up, you take a battle buddy, and then you got to call out on each side what colors are popping up. Uh, and you'll get three at a time um, in a section. Once you hit all three of those, boom, that section disappears. The next three will pop up next to it. Um, you go around and do that. You, you do that five times total. Uh, after that, you're in the boss phase, and it's literally the same thing, except you're shooting the craniums at these giant orbs on the side of the Hydra, and you're pulling them to the middle. Once that drops, everyone just starts DPSing like crazy, but this boss is shooting these these triangles at you, these prisms that'll, like, grab your fire team members and take them up to the ceiling, and when they pop, like, they die. Yeah. They, they'll fall to the ground and die. Like, you can't avoid that even with a jump. So you have to shoot, you have to shoot them free, so you have to take time off DPSing to shoot them down. 
Uh, it's, it's this crazy, insane boss fight. And if you don't kill him right there, which, spoiler alert, you're probably not going to even at our light level, you're going to have to jump onto these platforms that will appear around the boss and run to crit spots and just do sustained critical damage. Uh, you, you can do that with a scout rifle, auto rifle, whatever. As long as those yellow numbers are popping, you're good. You don't want to just Celestial Nighthawk it. You have to do sustained damage until the end of the damage phase. Um, and then you just rinse and repeat. It, it's a really short raid layer. Maybe If you know the encounters, you're looking at maybe 30, 35 minutes to do the whole thing. Uh, definitely the definition of a raid layer. Like I, I'm pretty sure Pit of Heresy is a longer endgame activity than this is, but... It's really cool. Encourage anybody uh, who hasn't done it, go do it this season at least once. I think the story behind it is really cool. Like this is this is a Vex mind that was uh, pulled in from Nessus uh, while Callus's Leviathan is eating Nessus, and now this thing is trying to detonate and destroy the entire Leviathan. So you have to go in and kill it. You're hmm. literally going into the plumbing system to go kill this Vex mind. So really, nice. really cool encounter. Go do it. Uh, same with Spyro Stars. Uh, I'm going to continue to say that I like Spyro Stars. Yeah, I'll get there. Uh, I mean, now that, now that the season has been extended by six weeks, I'm pretty sure I'm oh going to have God. enough time to yeah, get there. Yeah, should we just go ahead and get into that now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we might as well. So for for those of you who have been in the dark, uh, Destiny 2 Beyond Light has been delayed till November 10th, uh, which... No other games are coming out around that time, oh for God. sure. You know, nothing important, you know, like Cyberpunk or Assassin's Creed or Halo Infinite or anything. You know, all these other games that I would like to play. Uh, not to mention yeah. whatever, you know, Nintendo's got coming out that we don't know about yet. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, I'm, I'm, on one hand, I'm kind of disappointed. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, it gives me some time to grind out some of these weapons that I don't have. Right. Uh especially ones from this season and some exotics that I would like to have because, you know, a lot of those, my, uh, Mitch, you know, we, we were talking the other night and we were, he's trying to get, uh, uh, last word, thorn, mm-hmm. last word, thorn, thorn, I think. Uh, and we, ha- I was trying to run that strike with him too, man. And we oh were, God, in, it, it, it's not possible. Yeah. We it's were, in, not possible. we almost had it though. We, we were like, Ugh, it was so just like like we almost had it and we went to slam the ball and mm-hmm. somehow I got knocked off the platform and we both died at the same time and it was just like oh oh yeah the, the thorn strike it's it's no joke man that that's rough um, I finally got it done probably about two months ago I sat down and was like you know what during during season of the worthless, I uh, decided <laughs> I was going to sit down and knock out some old uh, quests that I had. And Thorn, Thorn is the one that's been staring me in the eye for about a year. And finally, I was like, all right, forget it. I'm going to drag a couple friends along with me, and we'll, we're all going to just suck it up and go do it. But that that is a strike reprisal. It's definitely easier now than it was before Shadowkeep came out. Yeah, we uh, you were at the light cap before Shadowkeep, and god dang yeah, we uh, what were we running? We were running uh, we were both running Wither Horde, and mm-hmm. we were running Double Bubble, <laughs> Titan Double Bubble, and uh, what else? we were running something else too. Uh, but it was just like it was. We had it down until we had till the knights pop right. out, and you have to kill the knights, and that's when we were having trouble. Um, plus, like it's the, a, yeah. <laughs> plus like the void damage that you were taking was just like awful. 
Uh, no, it, it's absolutely insane. It's a complete barrage. Now, now imagine trying to do it as a hunter, and it's probably about three times worse. You at least have barricades and bubbles you can put up if you need to. Yeah. Um, I can jump out of the way, and yeah. they immediately find me again. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, uh, I'm okay with this delay. I, I'm very much a subscriber to the Miyamoto philosophy of a delayed game. Uh, you know, is it's just delayed, but a uh, rushed game is bad forever. Mm. Um, definitely a subscriber to that philosophy and. I, we kind of saw with Shadowkeep last year. Shadowkeep came out, and it wasn't necessarily... It, it had a decent amount of bugs, but it wasn't this completely broken mess. It just didn't have that much content. It was clearly an in-between expansion. And not that I think this one's going to be like that with new subclasses and whatnot, but I, I do really think it comes down to the pandemic. Um, trying to work from home and making a major expansion for an evolving world, I, I don't even want to pretend to know what that must be like. That that's got to present its own challenges, like yeah. with a trip with another AAA game where you're not on a yearly release cycle where you have to get this out at the same time every year, and your season model isn't completely built around that. Like if Assassin's Creed needed to be bumped by three months, it could be bumped by three months. It would not impact the Ubisoft financials. Like that game's still going to sell millions of copies. Destiny, on the other hand, like they have to put a complete story on hold. This is the longest season we've had by far. Like this is as long as the gap between Curse of Osiris and Warmind, frankly, by mm -hmm. the end of this. Yeah. I think that was slightly longer. That might have been about five or six months. Yeah. But this started the second week of June, and now season of arrivals will not end until November 10th. Mm -hmm. That's that's crazy long. I mean, they, they were already kind of stretching the content as it was. Right. Um but I, I choose to view this as a really good thing. I'm actually going to be using it to take a pretty substantial break myself. Yeah. Uh, probably in uh, September and October, I'll probably be offline for most of that, just mm -hmm. because I haven't taken a substantial break from this game in about a year. I've taken a few weeks here and there, but not like a month or two. Yeah, plus you don't um, want to burn out before the new right new stuff. I, I don't want to burn out playing content that I've been doing for three months at that right. point. Like, if I'm going to burn out on something, I'd rather burn out on the new expansion. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of using this for a bit of cleanup. It's a great time to go do the raids, get any exotic quests done you haven't done yet. Mm -hmm. And my concern comes from extending season of arrivals for that long because you can't you can't really introduce anything else because your next seasonal arc won't start until beyond light mm -hmm. like it can't it's it, this is the this is the wrap-up of the story that we started with the vex offensive right so how do you continue that we know they're going to bring festival to lost in and continue that uh normally that's towards the end of october they're saying forget it we're bumping it up to the very beginning of like end of september beginning of october now gonna let it go for full four weeks this time instead of two or three Get you some extra Iron Banners, some extra Valor, extra Infamy. And then what really caught my eye is extra or increased Redacted. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to take a second to speculate on what we think that might be. Uh, because really, there's only two or three possibilities, I think. Um, one, they get really nutty and say increased glory, in which case everybody is going to flock the comp to try and just hit Legend for once. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I don't think that would happen. That is a, that's competitive mode. I can't really see that being a lure. Um, I think the two most likely possibilities are increased XP gains, which unless you do it by like times three or four, whoop-de-doo. Or do double Bright Ingrams for the back half of the season. Mm -hmm. um, which uh, if, you, if you remember in Destiny 2, up until this past year actually, they did double Bright Ingrams during things like Festival of the Lost and right. the Dawning. 
Yeah. Uh, then they took that away, which sucks because I personally liked getting those uh, those Eververse items out of the Ingrams. I wasn't necessarily going to buy them, but I wasn't going to object to getting them either. Yeah. So, like, what what do you think that could be? I'm not really sure. I mean, I don't really know. I mean, there's nothing really like that is jumping out at me honestly like i don't i don't think they're gonna do anything comp wise honestly um mm-hmm. i mean the bright engrams i think is is an easy bet but again if they've been doing that why would they have it redacted so uh man i don't know man i i don't know maybe you get double xp maybe you get like yeah i, I don't know higher exotic engram drop rates i don't know you know, I, I, I mean, and, and we do know, like they they did say, like okay, everything that we're announcing today, the the initial roadmap is just kind of the start. We're going to have things in the next couple of weeks that we're going to announce to help carry the rest of the season. So I almost wonder if, like, maybe a, a, new, a returning seasonal event from earlier this year might come back, like just say, oh, we surprise, we brought the Sundial back for two weeks, or <laughs> surprise, or um, maybe Sparrow Racing League comes back. If Sparrow Racing League comes back before the Cosmodrome, I'll be shocked. I really think that when we see that, it's going to be when the Cosmodrome comes. Um, that would be a perfect thing to introduce in the spring. People have been asking for it for years. Uh, hell, maybe you unlock Cosmodrome early and give us Sparrow Racing League. Maybe. Like, I mean, there's why not? a lot of possibilities there. Why not? I mean, technically, the part of the Cosmodrome is already in the game with new light anyway. Like, You know what I mean? That's true. That's true. So, uh, yeah, who knows? But yeah, that, that was our news for the week. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a fun, uh, a fun message to see Thursday morning and uh, frantically tell Corey. Um, <laughs> so we've got a two month delay now. <laughs> it was funny because I think I think you and Mitch both messaged me at the same time and you messaged me that. And then Mitch is like, Mitch is like, what the fuck? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I know. I saw. <laughs> so <laughs> Now, Corey, we did do something really cool with you this week. Uh, we didn't. We may not have done a raid together, but we did do whispering outbreak for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, Mitch and I have been trying to two man that for so long, and like, I just feel like anything that's remotely challenging in Destiny, you cannot two man anymore. Like we used to be able to, like we used to two man like harder, like harder difficulty nightfalls and stuff sometimes, and like that was challenging, but. Anything like uh, like this is just, it's not happening. You have to have that right. raid-like teamwork almost in there. And, uh, you know, I haven't I haven't been used to switching up weapons and trying to, like, infuse other weapons into other weapons just try, to try to get them higher light level in so long that it was just kind of like, man, it was, uh, I'm, I'm glad we did it, though. You know, like, I, I've been running those missions for so long and failing for so long that it was nice just to get into the, especially for Whisper, just to get into the boss room and just, just you know, finally melting those bosses at, at that point. So, uh, but yeah, it was fun. I, I really like quests like that. Like, just mm-hmm. the, the timed kind of, you got to be on point. You got to make sure that you're using teamwork and, and communication and stuff. Like, those are probably my favorite quests in all of Destiny, be- besides the raids, you know? Um, especially- yeah, and that, that's what I was, uh, something I was saying this year what, that I really missed with Shadowkeep was getting things like that. Um, I know, like, for Xenophage, like, there, there's the secret room of Heresy that you have to go hit in order to get the gun. Mm-hmm. But I really Which I did, but... No, oh, you did. Did you get it done? I, I didn't get the I didn't get the quest though because I, I ran it with Willow and 
uh, one of his friends, and uh, we did the boss fight, but I didn't have the quest, so I didn't get it. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. So. Well, well, that'll that'll be our next thing that we we go and get you, uh, Corey. Yeah. It's- I've picked I, up I like a few. That. I picked up a few mm-hmm. exotic quests. Uh, I yeah, I even found the sleeper simulant quest, which I was really <laughs> was really excited about. I know like that gun is not worth anything right now, but I was just like, I kind of want it just for sentimental purposes because we had it, such it a was, good time in Destiny One trying to find it. Right. I, I think the Xenophage quest is cool. Like I really like the lore behind it. I like the things you have to do for it. Um, I do think that exotic quests like that and the Deathbringer quest are a little bit more creative. Um, but there's just something special about Whisper Outbreak and the Bad Juju quests. Yeah, that you go into a completely different area. Uh, the Bad Juju one, of course, isn't timed, but it is challenging in its own right. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, when they designed those, they had a lot more resources. They still had uh, Victorious Visions working with them and a few other Activision subsidiaries. So I kind of understand not being able to do that on your own time or your own dime right now mm-hmm. because you're trying to kind of formulate uh, other things. You're putting resources into, like, making the Prophecy Dungeon, for example, uh, which, first, I mean, I'd rather have that than another Whisper-style quest. But uh, Whisper holds a very near and dear place in my heart. Uh, that is, in my opinion, the best dungeoning activity in the game. Mm-hmm. Um and when I say dungeons, I mean uh, I mean the three secret weapon quests and uh, the three actual dungeons. Uh, it's pretty much Whisper, Shattered Throne, and Prophecy. Ironically, they're all Taken, and I hate fighting the Taken. Yeah. But those are the three most creatively designed things, I think, in the entire game. Yeah. So I, I really hope we get some more of that in Beyond Light. I feel like we will, especially with new subclasses. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I uh, I really had a a great time running especially like outbreak outbreak perf- the outbreak quest is like that whole jumping oh, puzzle so and just going through that it's just so like every time i every time we've run it i'm just like how do you like figure this out you know like how does how does how does the community figure this out and how do you does how do you go about designing this you know like so if you think that's crazy like you should really see the heroic version uh the heroic version of it it's a whole different jumping puzzle that you do on the outside of the tower. Like you're literally climbing up the t- up and down the tower using little tiny ledges that are big enough for like one person to stand on. But if you get to an actual platform you can stand on, it's going to break. So you have to keep moving. Yeah. You keep going all around. You have to go down all these random shafts. You still have to do Trevor the Hall monitor. It, it is absolutely bonkers. And I, God, I can't tell you how many times I failed just trying to do that jumping puzzle the first couple times because it like it really is. I'm having horrendous PTSD style flashbacks <laughs> to King's Fall. It, it, it's it, it makes the whisper jumping puzzle look like nothing. Like I, I did it with you a bitch, and you're like, I'm like, follow me, and you're like, where'd you go? I'm like, I just dove off the ledge. Like you don't need to jump down. Like just just jump. Yeah, <laughs> you'll sit. You'll carve a few minutes off. Jump up here. We're gonna save some more time. Like it. Yeah. You got you learn ways to kind of cheat the timers on these missions. And I think it's part of what the devs want you to find. Yeah, yeah. It's it's those are just those are just some like you said those are just some of the best activities mm-hmm. in the game. Period. You know, it, it, I don't even like. I mean, I do care about the rewards at the end, but like just moving through and figuring it out was just so much fun. So, 
Uh, but yeah, I did. I did get those weapons uh, this week. It was very uh, exciting. I also also got Skyburner's Oath this weekend, which was just did like. Did you not have that? No, it just dropped for me. Oh my god! I'm just like uh, that gun used to be good. Yeah, a, a long time ago. A very long time ago, like uh, some might say, uh, a whole game ago was good. quite literally. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I did get that too, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it just kind of going into like our favorite drops this week, I think out, I've, I haven't unequipped outbreak perfected. <laughs> it's just, especially when you get those headshots, like, yeah. oh, uh, it's made me better at headshots though, by the way, <laughs> just, yeah. The, the only thing that finally made me take outbreak off was earning Xenophage, mm-hmm. um, and having that pretty much permanently in my heavy slot. Uh, this season's allowed me to kind of go back and play with Outbreak a little bit more uh, because I've been running so much of the uh, Falling Guillotine. Nice. But man, I guess, man, my favorite drop, uh, I got two. I, after like five or six clears of Leviathan um, over a three year stretch, I finally got an inaugural address to drop. Ooh. Um, and I know that it means nothing to y'all, but that gun still terrorizes me in the Crucible to this day. So I'm very happy to finally have it and see if I can wreck the same amount of havoc. Um, and then getting the entire uh, Eater of Worlds uh, raid armor set across the two runs I did this past week. Um, I really genuinely like the Hunter set. Um, I like anything where I can get extra knives. Uh, I, I've expressed my desire that when Transmog comes, I don't care if the armor doesn't match. I'm just going to pull every single piece I can that has the most knives on each slot, like uh, them on my arms, two of, two or three of my chest piece, the uh, Last Wish raid boots, have them in your legs. Like, g- give me a foot knife. I don't care. Like, put, we'll put one in the back of my Celestial Nighthawk. I just want knives everywhere so that when I use Blade Barrage, it canonically makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, right? Like, where are all these? I only have one melee knife. Like, you're going to let me have a super with all these. And yeah, you'll let me do the fan of knives. Let me just, like, keep throwing knives everywhere. Come on, man. <laughs> What's up with that? Kate 6 would want me to have more knives. That's true. That is true. The Crucible might not, but Cade would want it. Cade wills it. It's true. It's true. R.I.P. Cade. R.I.P. Pour so. one out. Uh, all right, Josh. Well, we've, we have kind we kind of talked about this in the, in our chat, but you've been kind of putting this show together since I've kind of been busy in this. So what's, what's next on the docket of tower? Uh, on the docket. So we've already gone through our favorite drops. We've gone through the news. Um, we, we did a little mini raid report by talking about Corey's experience in the, uh, the secret missions and my, uh, my experience with the Vex Mind and Eater of Worlds. Uh, it's time for Lore Corner, though. Yes. Lore Corner. It's time I wore, for Lore Corner. By the way, for our boy Varix, I wore my uh, my my shirt to represent. So, Yeah, Corey, with the, uh, for those of you uh, listening on audio, Corey is wearing a beautiful green House of Judgment t-shirt. Yes, I am. Way back from... Uh, from the House of Wolves era. I have a House of Wolves shirt somewhere, too. I really wish I had either of those shirts. I explained my philosophy. I did not buy Destiny shirts. Uh, I avoid buy. I avoided buying things on the internet back in 2014, 2015-ish. And then Destiny 2 came out, specifically Forsaken, and I 
swear to God, like at least a quarter of my wardrobe is just Destiny shirts now. Yeah, that's fair. Just no, it's it's not a good thing. It's not fair. It's not good. Uh, I rock spicy ramen occasionally, um, as you can all see. My absolute favorite one is the Festival of the Lost long sleeve tee from last year. Super lightweight. I love it. This is not an ad. Hashtag not an ad for the Bungie store. But uh, if they want to sponsor us, we are not going to stuff. And you should go give your money to them because it goes to charity. Yeah, but most of the time, if they if they want to if they want to sponsor the show, I wouldn't say no. I'm just going to throw that out there. In the year twenty of our Lord Luke Smith, please hear our prayers. Luke Smith, I know you're in the chat. So if you just want to, you know, just that's right. You know, if we can, if we can use hashtag ad, we we will not say no. So. That's right. But lore <laughs> corner, my absolute favorite part of every single week is this lore is, corner. This is my favorite thing too. So before before we get into lore corner, like all of our podcasts kind of have like a supplemental show that we do, right? Like uh, the the Boss Rush podcast has the one v one stuff where we interview other creators. Uh, the Xbox show has what's this on game pass. And then Nintendo power block has, uh, what's on, uh, uh, or the retro game show. So I thought that it's still going to be part of the main show, but we're, they're going up this week. We're breaking out all of Josh's lore corners and they're just going to be their own separate videos on the YouTube channel. So just so you guys are aware, we're we're gonna we're coming for Bife is what we're doing. We're coming for Bife. These are spark note versions of what Bife would explain to you. Doesn't matter. We're coming. These are, consider this to be to be like the the, the child's meal to Bife's supersized double deluxe uh, multi course dinner that he would give you. To, uh, I just want This is a tease. Look, I appreciate his four and a half hour videos as much as the next guy, but some people don't have that amount of time. So where are they going to go? They're going to come to Tower Casuals and watch the five minute version. That's true. Man. There's there's a couple topics I'm specifically avoiding because I just don't know how to condense them, and uh, I really need the time to figure it out. Uh, but this week uh, we are doing uh, we are talking about the Dreaming City, specifically the Curse of the Dreaming City. Um, if you recall, in the past, we have covered uh, Aramis, Varix, and Mithrax, kind of rounding out our fallen trio, uh, but kind of tying in to things that we think are going to come into play with Beyond Light. This is going to start a new, uh, a little new saga, kind of uh, covering different uh, different characters that are still associated with the fallen. Um, we're going to cover Mara and Uldren coming up. Uh, we're going to tie our... Uh, cover Callus and the Leviathan. Uh, we are going to touch on Zivuorath and Savathun later on down the road, so they're really not going to be mentioned a whole lot today, even though they are uh, important to the Dreaming City arc. Uh, really want to take the time to flush them out, flush out some of the Orsinium court, uh, talk a little bit about my man Oryx, RIP. Uh, we got a lot of other plans. Now that this has been expanded out for two more months, I can cover everything I wanted to before Beyond Light. Uh, but this week is the Curse of the Dreaming City. Um, of course, if you've played Forsaken at all, you know that uh, the curse was enacted when Riven was beaten for the first time. But it officially starts when Riven was slain by a team of Guardians. But in reality, the events of this were set in motion by Oryx way back before the Taken King. Uh, when he first came into the Soul System, on the eve of him crushing the Awoken army uh, around Saturn, 
Uh, Mara closed off the Dreaming City and evacuated everybody who lived in it. Now, the Dreaming City was created by Mara when she came back from the Distributary, the the home of the Awoken. Uh, she, when she passed back through the Singularity, she established it a, as a safe haven for all of them. And the only way to enter it was the Watchtower uh, within the Tangled Shore part of the Reef. Uh, she officially seals it off, leaves everybody there, or gets everybody out. The only being left in the Dreaming City is Riven, her pet Ahamkara. Now, if you don't know what Ahamkara is, an Ahamkara is a gigantic space dragon. That's the best way I could think of it. Think of a more terrifying King Ghidorah, and you basically have it. You fight one. You fight one in the one of the uh, strikes for uh, Warmind, I think. Uh, you do so in Warmind. We actually we fight Zol, one of the Hive Worm gods. Okay, Hive. Okay. Uh, we fight. Yeah, we fight Riven. Uh, Riven herself in the Last Wish raid. Um, so after uh, after Orcs crushes the Awoken army, he manages to breach the gates of the Dreaming City, and uh, he. He begins a siege there, and legions of Taken come in. He offered to take Riven uh, with him, and Riven, realizing that she'd still be enslaved, uh, basically resisted. Like uh, Ankara are weird creatures; they they can they grant wishes. So, like, if the genie from Aladdin and King Ghidorah had a baby, and it was <laughs> kind of like evil, this is basically what it would end up being. Uh, Riven ends up being taken anyways, and. At some point, you know, Oryx dies, and after that, we at undisclosed time later, we don't really know when, uh, Sothathun comes to the soul system and reveals herself to Riven. This is the only known intrusion of Sothathun into our solar system as of right now, and that's pretty deep. Like the, the Dreaming City, the, the, the Reef, like that's the asteroid belt. That's getting kind of close to Earth. A little too close for my liking, personally. Um, and she reveals herself to Riven. Her and Riven kind of banter back and forth and play these mind games with each other. And Riven asks her to take up the strings um, because she's been left directionless without a master since Oryx died because she is taken. But even though she's taken, unlike the Queen's Techians, uh, Shirochi and Kali, she retains her own consciousness. <laughs> and... In doing that, she can make her own choices. Well, when Sabathun officially assumes uh, the position of being Riven's master, Riven and her have create kind of a shared bond. And Riven is, to put it bluntly, kind of scared shitless by what she sees in Sabathun's mind. She catches a, a brief glimpse of her plans, um, not just for, for the Awoken or for the Solar System, but for the Guardians. Um, eventually, Riven now being taken and still of her own agency, her powers get amplified, and she can reach beyond the Dreaming City now for influence, and she uses it to manipulate Aldrin um, into, with the Dark Aether, into creating the Scorn, into resurrecting Fickrel, and is indirectly responsible for the creation of the Scorn, the abandonment of the prison, the freeing of the prisoners, the death of Cade Six, like she's responsible for all of that, with the ultimate goal of Aldrin coming to her with a shard of the Traveler they discovers in the EDZ and using its power to open the gates to the Dreaming City, which have been shut since Mara shut them. And when he finally does that, he thinks he's about to encounter Mara. It ends up being uh, what can only be described as an infected meatball. Uh, the voice of Riven that we slay in the final mission. Uh, 
But Riven's Riven basically decides, okay, Ultron service purpose allows the Guardian and Petra to execute him. The end. Part one of Riven's plan has gone now gone into motion, and by extent, we assume Savathun's. The gates to the Dreaming City are open. The Guardians are called upon to repel the Taken invasion, and. Now that we know Riven's behind this, a team of Guardians is sent in as a raid. It's really cool that the first team to clear this raid is canonically the team that starts the curse of the Dreaming City. They advance through the raid. They, they save Kali and Shirochi, being able to reverse uh, their, sta their statuses of being taken. And eventually, those two Techians team up with the Guardians in the Riven boss fight. And when you slay Riven... The Guardians, if you've never done this raid, spoilers for the final boss, you kill Riven, but she's not really dead. You actually rip her heart out, and oh, you geez. run a relay race with it through the halls of the Dreaming City to the Techians, who then cleanse the heart, uh, expelling the Taken Corruption and basically killing Riven forever. Well, you might be wondering, why on earth is it called Last Wish, then? Last Wish refers to Riven's, the final wish that Riven grants is her own. And by extent, Savathun and her Vexmine Quiras, or Kiras, I don't really know how to pronounce that name, um, her plan to take over the Dreaming City with a Taken army. And so Taken just start flooding the city in all facets, fighting off what's left of the Scorn, fighting uh, Zivuarath's Hive. It becomes a three-way turf war, hence the, the Blind Well. Well, when we're doing those Blind Well runs, what we're doing is we're charging the Blind Well in the terms of the story. So that when the third week of the curse comes around, we figured out who's behind all this. It's Savathun's daughter, Duel and Karu. And again, a team of guardians is sent into the Shattered Throne into Mara's old throne world. This is why it's called the Shattered Throne, Elusina, her old throne room. And we go in, we kill Duel and Karu. Well, killing her enacts the final part of Riven's wish, which is the cycle starts all over again. Killing Duel and Karu should have ended the curse of the Dreaming City. Instead, it simply made it worse. So the Guardians are left with a moral dilemma, which hence why the cycle keeps going on in game of, do we keep killing Duel and Karu and starting this process all over again? If we don't, if we go a week without killing her, canonically, like if nobody were to do this, I don't know if it would actually happen, but the the theory is that if nobody does it, then Duel and Kara would be allowed to complete her objective, which is to break into the distributary, the the through the singularity where the Awokens, a lot of Awokens still reside there. Time time is infinite, essentially. Like uh, Mara and the old Awoken who came back lived there for millions of years, hundreds of thousands at the very least, and before they came back. So hence why that they're so wise beyond their years. So the Guardians are faced with this moral dilemma. Well, the loop that we're stuck in, I'm get, I promise I'm getting towards the end. This is a really, really dense... Uh, I mean, I'm, enjo I'm enjoying it. I'm just, I'm just um, listening. <laughs> I'm just like... The, 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 the loop uh, is, in actuality, a simulation that was enacted by Hura. Uh, the Taken Vex Hydra that Oryx once sent in the Sabathun's throne world to try and manipulate her. Um, the Vex, because of their manipulations with time and their experiments are able to create a simulation, and Quira simply puts it into effect in the Dreaming City, in essence creating a murder battery for Sabathun. So every time we continue the cycle, and we don't let Duel and Karu break into the distributary, we are essentially feeding Sabathun's power in a twisted turn on the sword logic. 
Uh, we're going to get into sword logic here in a few weeks when we actually cover Sabathun, but suffice it to say, she does not, she doesn't ascribe to it like Oryx and Crota did. She doesn't worship the sword logic. Um, she just believes in seizing power by any means necessary. And the Hive rely on a tribute system. Well, she doesn't want tribute. She's just going to murder and kill and do whatever she has to do. She has a murder battery going. She literally has a whole murder battery. She, she's impersonated. Uh, it's suspected she's impersonated Eris Morin to us through the through um, the Truth to Power lore book, uh, which led to the whole you have to be a power level 999 theory in order to break the curse of the Dreaming City. So people rushed to do it during Season of the Undying. The Glad was coaching the first guy that made it to that light level through the raid solo. And... Nothing happened, but Bungie played along and had Savathun basically impersonating the community managers the next day. It was really cool that <laughs> uh, they're really getting into this. I, I don't fully expect us to break this. Uh, I honestly thought it was going to come uh, during Season of Dawn or Season of Worthy because one of the things we had seen on Luke Smith's whiteboard during last year's Vidoc was reset the timeline. And it's that we've basically learned now that referred to saving Saint-14. Um, that doesn't necessarily line up with breaking the curse of the Dreaming City. So we have to wonder now with darkness powers, when do we do that? Mm -hmm. um, I think I, I kind of have come around to the opinion that I think it might be next summer. Um, so the, the Tangled Shore yeah. and, and the Dreaming City aren't, they're not being vaulted, correct? It's just the... No, um, ju just the four, four, just four of the core planets from uh, year one of Destiny Two: Titan, right. Io, Mars, and Mercury will be sunset. Um, Forsaken content. Um, so the mo the moon, the Tangled Shore, the Reef, um, the Dreaming City, and Nessus will all so, stay. So there's at some point we're probably returning to these locations for some sort of. Thing. I, I would expect for them to, t I, I strongly expect the seasonal storyline to start shifting towards setup for the Witch Queen. Because um, notice how really this year it didn't really set up a, a ton towards what we know right now about Beyond Light. Right. Uh, it did a little bit this season, especially, is kind of setting up. But this is also really like, hey, Sabathun is here. This isn't just something that we're talking about in Sabathun's song or in the strike on Io anymore. Like she is actually here man manipulating and messing with our communication with the pyramids. She wants, uh, in a way, she wants the powers of the darkness for herself, we suspect, mm -hmm. uh, much like Aramis does. But she's also terrified because the darkness is it's reaching out to us, not to her. Mm -hmm. And I think she's afraid of what a guardian can do when it can straddle the line. Mm -hmm. So... I can't wait to show her in September 2021 why she should be scared. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that concludes uh, this week's extremely long lore corner. Uh, I actually have a question for you. Uh, well, it's more f generally for the audience. Uh, yes. So the sword logic. Yes. What can you like explain what the sword logic is for? I mean, in like a. <laughs> I mean, if it takes longer than, like, you know, it, I don't know how long it's going to take you to explain it, but... Uh, the sword logic is definitely one that... Um, we, we have a plan right now for a couple weeks from now to do its own topic. Okay. Um, it ties so much into the Orsinium court and into Savathun's origin herself um, that it's kind of impossible for us to talk about the sword logic without then going into the origins of the hive themselves. Like it's, it's the very foundation almost the religion of the hive in a lot of ways. Um, 
But suffice it to say, the sword logic is you gain power through tribute, um, not through just straight murder. So, like, the thraller to be sacrificed uh, to, the, to the acolytes, to the knights, to everything is ultimately in service to worm gods, <laughs> like Zol. But the, the whole thing of the sword logic is Oryx broke that and said, no, we're not giving tribute today anymore. The tribute comes to us now, specifically to me, because I'm the king. I have the power to take. I seized this power from the worms, and that's it. His exiled son is the one who teamed up with Zol because he's a heretic that does not ascribe to the sword logic. It's it's very baffling. Think if, think if the worst person you knew in real life, when you made their own religion that was based on not just tithe, not like 5%, but like 95% of what you are and what you have goes to them. And you, if you're lucky, you might get 5% to yourself if you're at the lowest end of that caste system. <laughs> it, it's it, it's nuts. Uh, we actually see a little bit of it play out uh, when you do the escalation protocol event, there's a ogre that will roam around as one of the se- as one of the seventh stage bosses, and a ton of cursed thrall will run at it and blow up, and that'll heal him if they get too close. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is, in a way, that is partially sword logic. Our guardian, if our guardian ever tapped the sword logic, that's that's how the take that's how the hive gods and how Marasov herself made these throne worlds to exist and to cheat death. The th- when we go in King's Fall and go kill Oryx, we're in his throne world when we kill him in the raid. We killed him in the real world already at the end of the campaign. He flees to his throne world to heal and come back stronger, and we murder him the second he comes back. Yeah. So, uh, sword logic is really complicated. We'll definitely get into it. I know there's going to be a lot of questions about it, uh, but that requires... A much more comprehensive write-up, and you can't really sum it up in a minute or two, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, But it is a concept that's been around since the Books of Sorrow. That's what a lot of the Books of Sorrow actually deal with. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I've I've actually been uh, leafing through those. uh, I I pre-ordered the third anthology book, uh, the Mm Gwimrar anthology, and I've been flipping through the, uh, the first two, so... Um, yeah, the the first one uh, deals a lot with the hive and uh, with the taken specifically. So uh, I believe the books of Star are actually printed in there. Yeah. Um, if you've never checked out these books, guys, they're, they're really cool. They have some really awesome illustrations. They're relatively uh, cheap on Amazon. Best. Also, they're like seventeen. Yeah, they're bucks. like fifteen twenty bucks at the absolute most. They're not nice covers. Um, I have those. I also have a set that go to Skyrim and Elder Scrolls Online. Mm. Uh, because I don't just love the lore for Destiny; I love it for everything. <laughs> it's fair. It's fair. I it's, mean, it's 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 fair. I I like lore for other games. You know, I have the Halo stuff too. So yep, um, yep. I have a lot of Halo stuff here too. I have a lot of Zelda stuff. <laughs> yep, a lot of Zelda <laughs> stuff. So, uh, uh, well, is there anything else we need to hit on before we uh, skedaddle? No, I I think I think that's it. This is the beginning of a very busy week. Not just uh. Not just Destiny-wise, but uh, Corey and I are both really excited for the Xbox event coming up this week, and uh, tomorrow starts Demo Week on right. the dashboard also. Right, right. So, uh, are you coming forward to playing 60 demos. <laughs> are you going to come on Arsenal X to talk about Xbox this week? TBD. Okay, well... TBD. I, I, need to, I need to figure a few things out regarding this weekend. 
Okay. Well, if you are available, you are welcome to join us. So thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, not that you need an invite. It's an open invitation, <laughs> but you know, uh, but yeah, this has been tower casuals. I want to thank everybody who tuned in to watch on boss rush games live. Uh, if you can't join us live, you can download the show on your podcast service of choice or stream it, you know, streaming's the thing now. So uh, on Spotify, Apple podcasts, wherever you get your shows. Uh, you can also watch the video version archived on YouTube and our website at bossrushgames.com. Uh, so I think I think that's it. Josh, where can we find you? Uh, as always, for more delicious lore goodness, my rantings about film, uh, I'm getting finally back into movie-watching habits and going back through old television shows. You can find me on Twitter at, at Josh underscore Finn. And that's Finn, as always, with two N's. Nice. And, of course, every Thursday when this posts, you can find me right here on the Tower Casuals. What a concept. What a concept. Uh, you can you can find me at I am Corey HD on Twitter and Instagram. Corey and HD on Twitch. Uh, I'm probably going to be streaming more on this channel uh, if you are looking for streams from me in particular, just because you know, two Twitch channels is hard to balance and you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to stream this week, uh, and I know I'm not doing any podcasts this week until Arsenal X, so, uh, you know, I don't know how many live shows are going to happen this week, but starting next week, we'll be back on a regular schedule. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening and or watching. Remember to play games, be better, and we will see you next week on Tower Casuals. Goodbye, everybody. Indeed. Indeed.